Hello and welcome to the smallbiz.chat podcast. This is the first in a series of podcasts about going into business, starting your own business for the first time. My name is Stephen Hooper. I've been in business for almost 20 years on my own business and we'll take a look at what the options are in the UK when you're going to start a business. So first of all, on our blog page, smallbiz.chat, you'll find that there's an article on there about starting your first business. In fact, it's a a four-part series of the things you need to consider. And we're going to be discussing those in this podcast. So I'll just take the first paragraph from the blog and then we'll go on and talk from there. So the introduction to that particular article is you've pondered, perused and prevaricated and now you're ready to strike out on your own to make your own path and work for yourself. You're going to start a business. And starting a business can be incredibly exciting, but it can also be very daunting. So what we're doing is breaking down some of the steps involved in creating the business, the process of starting a business. So the first thing you need to consider is what do you want to do with the business? Is this a business that you want to start and just earn money from for yourselves, to create a living for yourselves, for your family, with a view to maybe a child or someone taking over later in the day? Or is this a business that you want to start, to develop, to grow into something which you can then sell on? The reason for trying to understand that right from the outset is it will actually guide you on the best way to structure your business. Will you need a lot of capital investment or will it be something that you can do with equipment you already have, contacts you already have, computing gear you already have, etc.? Will you cover all of your risks or do you need to limit your exposure? For example, do you have a mortgage or will you be prepared to cover all of your risks? If you're in a job that perhaps has a relatively low risk, Let's say, for example, delivering leaflets, and that's going to be your business. If you can take out sufficient insurance to cover you against any risks involved in your new business of delivering leaflets, then you don't need to protect yourself any more than just with the insurance. However, if what you're going to be doing involves more risk, for example, you could be doing third-party work somewhere you could be doing third-party work in a factory which is what I do quite often I need to protect myself my house etc from the risk of somebody coming after me because something I did set fire to their factory or something I did caused their production to stop and because their production stopped somebody else's production stopped And who knows, along that chain, a single action by me might have stopped a car company from being able to produce cars. The liability has potential to be huge. And so I need to limit the risks and the exposure that I have, and therefore my family has. And then the next thing you need to consider is, are you going to do this on your own, or are you going to have partners? 
Let's say you're going to be starting the leaflet distribution business. Is it going to be a couple of you doing this with a view to growing it into some nationwide marketing delivery service? Or is it going to be a couple of you doing this and working just in the local area to be able to feed your family? That again will guide you in the way that you want to go in terms of structuring your business. And getting that understanding right at the beginning can save a huge amount of grief later down the line. I'll give you an example here. Somebody that I know started a business, it'll be over 30 years ago now, and they started as what's called a sole trader. Now they had insurance against bought and did was on them. Now I know that they invested heavily in a lot of machinery and in the later years they were investing in CNC machinery. But all of those investments were made personally and they all had to be guaranteed personally. So the initial guarantee was on the residual value of the equipment should they default on payments. But if there was anything left after that it was down to the individual, the, the, the people that started the business and this was an engineering firm. Now aside from the liability, the next thing that happened is the guy who founded it wanted to retire. And his son is also qualified as an engineer, a toolmaker in fact. But he couldn't just retire and transfer the business to his son because he was the business. He was a sole trader. So there was no business. And this is one of the big decisions that you need to make right up front. So in the past, I've been a sole trader. My first business was as a sole trader. So when I started the business that I run now, the first thing I did was to decide that I was hoping to grow the business to a point where I could have an exit strategy, maybe in 15 years or something, and I could sell the business or I could transfer ownership of the business to one of my sons. And if I was a sole trader, it's incredibly difficult to do that because the only thing that I could transfer would be the ownership of the stock and the capital equipment. In the UK, we have four main structures for business. So the four recognised business structures in the UK are number one, sole trader. This is where you just decide I am, in my case, Stephen Hooper, and I'm going to trade as ABC Leaflet Distribution. I don't have to tell anybody I'm doing it. I have to tell the tax man so I can do a tax return, but that's all I have to do. And I can just say, this afternoon, I'm going to call myself ABC Leaflet Distribution. And all of a sudden, I'm a business. The official name would be Stephen Hooper Trading As, or T slash A, ABC Leaflet Distribution. That's the name of the business. All of the risks are mine. The second level is a partnership. Now in a partnership it's basically two sole traders or three sole traders or four sole traders all working together. And each one of them would be Stephen Hooper trading as ABC Leaflet Distribution, Peter Pepper Parker trading as ABC Leaflet Distribution, Davy Jones trading as ABC leaflet distribution and then the three in this case people would be 
generally known as ABC leaflet distribution. But as entities, they are individual. And each are liable for their own risk. And if they work collectively, they're liable collectively for the risk as well. If it can be shown that they are working together, then there is a collective responsibility. But it's very simple to do. They could start ABC leaflet distribution this afternoon without any paperwork. Obviously some sort of agreement between the three of them would make sense, but they don't need to do anything. Now the next level, level three if you like, in business structure, is the Limited Liability Partnership, LLP. You may have seen LLPs uh, in relation to businesses such as solicitors and accountants. Essentially, they are a partnership, but it's a formal partnership, and the partnership has a single identity, and its exposure is limited, its liability is limited as a partnership. But it's restricted to the people that are within that partnership and defined within that partnership. So that's the LLP. And the fourth and top level of startup type business is the limited liability company, the LTD. And this is what I started with my business. In the meantime, while I've been running this business, I've also created with somebody else an LLP, a limited liability partnership, which we ran for about three, maybe four years. So there were two of us in this. We were equal share owners. We had equal liability and it was registered with Companies House. If you're looking to start something up quickly without any formal paperwork, etc., you're looking at the first two options, which is sole trader and partnership. You don't have to tell anybody, apart from the taxman when it comes to doing a tax return. If you're looking at either of the latter two, the Limited Liability Partnership, the LLP, or the Limited Liability Company, the LTD, both of these have to be registered with Companies House. It's a simple thing to do, it's a very simple thing to do, but once you register it, there are certain obligations that you have to fulfil as a limited liability partnership or a limited liability company. And we'll take a quick look at those in a minute. Now, the one other thing that you need to consider is am I likely to go over the UK VAT threshold within my first year? Now, that's £85,000 of turnover, of sales. If you think or if you believe you're going to exceed 85000 then you are obliged to tell the VAT man and register for VAT. And there's a couple of different schemes that you can register with. If you don't think you're going to go over £85,000 in sales, then you're not obliged to tell the VAT man. However, there can be benefits in telling the VAT man. When I started my limited liability company, my LTD company, in 2003, I suspected that I may go over the threshold, but I wasn't sure because I had a complete start-up from nothing. 
but some of the equipment I was going to be importing and selling was quite high value. And then that was the crux. I was importing and selling. And my business is what's called B2B, business to business. So my customers are all businesses and are all VAT registered. So they're looking to buy and invest in equipment and to recover the VAT from it. If I'm not VAT registered, they can't recover the VAT from the things that I sell them. So that puts me at a disadvantage against my competition. And secondly, when I'm importing goods, I have to pay the VAT on it and I can't recover it. So for me, the first thing I did once I registered my business with Companies House on the 3rd of October 2003 was I then went straight to the HMRC website and registered my company for VAT. It puts an extra burden on me in terms of accounting, but it was financially the right thing to do. It may not be applicable to ABC leaflet distribution unless you're buying equipment and, and goods to be able to do this. If somebody's supplying you with the materials to distribute and all you've got to do is to walk the block, go to somewhere else, walk the block, go to somewhere else, walk the block, different days, and distribute leaflets, it's probably not worth registering for VAT. But if you're going to be printing these leaflets and you've got to invest in equipment, etc., then it would be worth looking at registering for VAT. So that's something else that you need to consider. So that's the VAT side of things. They're the main things that you need to consider when you're thinking about starting a business. The structure of the business and whether or not you should register for VAT at the outset. One point to note is you don't have to register for VAT at the outset if you don't believe you're going to exceed the threshold. If you then subsequently do trip over the threshold, you can apply for VAT registration and things that you've invested in prior to that date, you can recover that VAT once you register, going back X number of years. I did say we'll have a look at some of the, the differences between the sole trader uh, going through to the limited company. There is a table on our website within the article and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But for the purposes of the podcast, I'll just I'll just summarize what it says in them. So we've got if we look at Soul Trader on the table, there's three columns, the main features of being a sole trader, the tax implications and the responsibilities. So for the sole trader, the trading as you're working for yourself, truly independent but there's no business that can be sold or sued. So it's not possible for somebody to sue ABC leaflet distribution if you're just a sole trader. All they can do is to sue you, the person. Your tax is limited to doing a self-assessment. So you contact HMRC and say, this is how I'm earning my money now. And you pay yourself and you set aside money for tax. And that becomes a self-assessment tick box effectively it's advisable to use an accountant once you start to do that because there's a lot of things that you can claim for and if you're unaware of you can lose out financially and it is the true self-employed status and you need to tell HMRC that that's what you're doing you're going self-employed and that's why you need a self-assessment rather than a PAYE that you may be getting from an existing or current employer 
The partnership is the next level, and if we look again the main features, they're the same as a sole trader, but both partners are equally liable for the business debts and any claims made against it. So if you have a partner that has run up some debt and you don't know about it, you are also liable. So if they do a runner, you've got to pick up the tab, which is why you need an agreement. When it comes to tax, each partner is responsible for doing a self-assessment on their own. So you do your self-assessment for what you've taken out of the business in terms of income, and your partner, business partner, will do one for what they've taken out of the business. And again, an accountant is a good idea. And because you're going self-employed, both of you are going self-employed, you need to let HMRC know so that they can send you the self-assessment. The LLP, the Limited Liability Partnership, it takes a minimum of two because it's a partnership. You and your partners within the LLP are protected from business debts and claims. So your business could be sued for something. You would not be sued for that unless you'd been guilty or culpable of uh, gross negligence. But let's say you had something, let's say you had a, a van that caught fire and it was parked next to one of your customers factories and it set fire to some doors or something then the business would be liable not the partners and also your partners debts that they run up for the business through the business name are for the business they're not for the partner and you are protected from those as well as an employment status, you generally remain as a self-employed contractor to the LLP. So the LLP, the Limited Liability Partnership, has its own identity as far as Companies House is concerned, and you are a self-employed contractor. And when it comes to tax, the partners will do a self-assessment in the same way as if they were a self-employed, sole trader, or in a partnership. But the LLP... In this case, it would be ABC Leaflet Distribution LLP would pay corporation tax in its own right. So it is an individual in the eyes of the tax people. You're registered with Companies House. You would be registered as a partner in the business, as would the other partners. You have to file an annual return. So you need an accountant to summarise your outgoings and incomings and balances, etc., and you need to have an agreement between the partnerships and that defines who basically does what within the partnership. And the limited liability company, the LTD, in this instance it would be ABC Leaflet Distribution Limited or LTD, that is a legal identity in its own right. The business has its own legal identity. As an individual, as a director or a shareholder in that business, you are protected from the business debts. You generally are viewed as an office holder in terms of employment. But as I do, I'm also an employee of the business. So I'm the owner of the business, so effectively I'm the managing director. I'm the only director, but I'm the managing director of my business. But I'm also an employee, so I have to submit PAYE returns, or the, the business has to submit PAYE returns for me. So I get paid a salary, but 
but I also get paid dividends. And an accountant can advise on that. And it should be, in my opinion, a specialist small business accountant. Because some of the larger companies lose sight of what we, the small business people, actually do and how we work. When it comes to tax, PAYE, if, if like me you're on PAYE, you will get a payslip and a P60. And for any benefits you have, maybe a car or anything else, you'll have a P11D. These will be issued by whoever does your payroll. And the company has to pay corporation tax. It also has to pay the employer's contribution for tax. It has to pay the tax it's collected from the employee. And it has to pay national insurance, both collected from the employee and the employer's contribution. And it's quite likely that as a director of a business, you'll also be asked to do a self-assessment form by HMRC. The company itself will be registered with Companies House and the directors of that company and shareholders of that company, so the officers and the shareholders, will also be registered with Companies House. And the company has to file annual returns to HMRC and also a notification that says who the directors are and if there's any change of directors or shareholders. So there's more to do but there's a lot more protection. My house is protected. I don't have to provide any personal guarantees. My business has been trading long enough now to have a credit rating with credit agencies. So I don't apply for credit myself if I needed to. My company will apply for it and it has a credit rating that will afford it some finance. So they're the four main levels. It's worth spending some time to understand those if you're going to be a mobile hairdresser still look into this because as a mobile hairdresser you may suddenly decide that actually you want to get somebody else to work with you so you are the person who finds the work and you may have other hairdressers that will go and do the work that may then turn into a salon it may then turn into a few salons So you need to look forward and think, where do I want to take my business? Is it something I just want to do for me? Work as a sole trader, make sure I'm insured as much as I need, and then a little bit more. And keep an eye on your turnover to see whether you need to go VAT registered or not. If you're going to be something more complex, let's say you're going to open a garage, and you're going to have to buy lifts and compressors and all sorts of special tools, maybe tyre mounting tools, wheel balancers, whatever then you're probably looking at something like a limited liability company simply because of the risk. If a car loses a wheel going down the road after one of your people has worked on it, you need to be protected. So you are protected as a a shareholder up to the limit of your shares. I didn't explain that earlier, but what that means is when when you first start a company, you define how many shares you own or how many shares there's going to be in the company the value of the share and who owns how many. So in my case, my business has 1,000 shares. Their share value is £1 each and I own all of them. So if anything happens with my business, as long as it's not down to gross negligence on my part or some illegal trading, my maximum exposure is £1,000 the business is liable for everything else and if somebody wants to sue the business 
they can because the business is independent of me. I would have to pay my £1,000 if I was found guilty, but anything above that, my business would have to find. And if it couldn't find it, it would be shut down. The assets taken and sold off to recover as much as possible, but I would not have to sell my house. That's the big difference. I hope you found this interesting. There will be a part two, a part three and a part four. They're going to be coming very, very soon. But this one should give you enough to start thinking about how you want to go about starting your business. Don't be afraid of any of this. It's all very understandable and there are professionals that will help you. And it's not particularly daunting. It might feel like it, but it isn't. It doesn't need to be. Because what we do, and you'll see in one of the, the next, I know it's number two or number three of this, of this series, when we talk about outsourcing. And in things like this, you outsource to a bookkeeper and an accountant. And there's a difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper. And we'll explain that as well. But you outsource to somebody who's expert in these fields and they will advise you on what you need to do. And you just listen to their advice, decide if it's right for you and go ahead with it. Nothing's particularly complicated and it's only daunting if you don't take advice from people that actually know. As I say, I hope you found this interesting. If you did, please like, share, subscribe and all those good things. Tell your mates and look for the next podcast from smallbiz.chat. Have a great day. I'm Stephen Hooper.